Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another ESPN podcast. The Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. The season starts next week and Buster will have all of the latest chatter from regulars like Tim Kirkjian, Jeff Passan, and Sarah Langs. That's the Baseball Tonight podcast three times a week. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is that time of week where we have a guest join us coming to us live from Yahoo Sports, Sirius XM Radio. But with Yahoo Sports, the new host of The Good Word with Goodwill. New basketball post on their Ball Don't Lie Network. Vinny Goodwill, what's going on? How did you manage to say that better than me? he's been doing this for a while man you literally that just rolled off of your tongue like for those who have heard my podcast i sounded like a bot that's what (laughs) Bo said he said i sounded like a bot and he was absolutely right (laughs) it is so much easier to be a guest than it is to be a host that is the key to doing all of this stuff look we're gonna get around the nba maybe touch on some playoff stuff talk about the paul george injury other things but I do. This is an inside baseball thing that people don't quite realize. I actually saw somebody uh, make this post about me. I can't remember who it was, but it wound up uh, in my mentions. And he was like, seeing Bomani on shows as a guest is what would make somebody want to give him a television show. And then figuring out the television show part is going to wind up taking some time. Like this was not a hater. Like I think this is somebody who supported my work more than anything else. But that's 100% correct. When you're a guest, you just show it up, right? Just show it up and fire it off, whatever it is for you to fire off. When you are in charge, you got this thing to worry about. You got that thing to worry about. And it's not that those things are that hard to do. You just have to think about them. When you're being a guest, you don't have to think about anything if your host is worth a damn. Yeah, all you're doing is just showing up. You're showing up and you're just getting it off. You, you're getting set up. You're on a fast break. You're spotting up in the corner and boom, it's like, oh, he can be a starter, right? You come off the bench, you're Lou Williams, yep. you're Jamal Crawford. Somebody's going to give him $100 million to be their starting shooting guard. And then he <laughs> comes and sees your starting shooting guard and what you getting? Maybe some bad shots, maybe not some good defense. You're like, wait a minute, how how did this all work when it worked over there, but it's not working over here? It's gonna take a minute. That's well, all. Once, it's gonna yeah, take well, a minute. once they make you a starter, you just got to do more stuff. Yeah, right? like like when Lou Williams is coming off the bench, all he got to do on the bench all game long is go like this, <laughs> get warm, <laughs> you know, get get them triceps stretched out, get ready to put up them J's, right? Wait, wait, wait to the two girlfriends in the stands. Did you, yep. Hey, question: Do you think? Lou Williams' girlfriends were in the same girlfriend section? Yeah. Or do you think they were across from each other? Yeah, I thought that was much more uh, less a I got two girlfriends than my girl got a girlfriend, right? And if your girl got a girlfriend, then, you know, everybody's all out here kicking it all together, right? That's the only way that that situation is sustainable is if it's your girl got a girlfriend. I didn't think about it like that because I've seen situations where someone's girlfriend showed up at another player's girlfriend section. Mm-hmm. And then it looks like, oh, these two these two dudes have a rivalry. It looks like on the floor, these two dudes have athletic beef. 
It's not athletic beef at it's all. It's not athletic beef. <laughs> no, it's not, not athletic, athletic beef. beef. Dude, I've been telling people this for the longest, man. These dudes all sleep with the same women. And there's reasonable explanation as to why that happens. I lay this out for people all the time. Say you play for play in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. You get there, you play on a Monday night, the game's over. You're like, yo, what's the spot on Monday night? They're like, yo, man, story the spot on Monday night. Cool. Couple weeks later, another team's in town. They play in Miami on Monday night, and they're like, "Yo, what's the spot on Monday night?" Story the spot on Monday night. Bet I'm gonna go to Story. So different basketball team in Story, same pros in Story, and I don't mean pros as in people who have sex for money. I mean pros as in people who meet basketball players like it's a profession. No, ooh, ooh. Can we play the music? Thank you for your patience. A representative from the right time will be with you shortly. Your current hold time is 15 seconds. You know, you had told me that story before, but I just wanted to let you tell it all the way out. I didn't know. People, I didn't know I yeah, told you Oh, no, no, it's all good, baby. I didn't mind hearing it again. I mean, the people really missing out. It's even better the second time. That story like lasagna. <laughs> you know? that's, oh, it's, that's it's the, so many more of those stories, though. Dude, that's they, they all trafficking in these same circles, man. And if, if you are a lady trying to hit for a score, okay? If that's what you're trying to do. You can't be like just putting all your eggs in a single solitary basket. You know what I mean? It's like, like, it's, like it's playing a lotto. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. You gotta get as many of these lotto tickets mm-hmm. as you possibly can, and hope it all work out for you. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 what you got. And sometimes it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. This is tried and true. Uh, stragity that has that has been implemented. Many, 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 many times. I don't even remember uh, how we got to this place in conversation. But I want to put something out here right fast. And boy, I might be making my life a little bit more difficult. But the people who hate me, um, they too lazy to go find the things to hate. So they're going to need somebody to give it to them. So who knows? Maybe this will get aggregated too. Uh, anybody want to ask me what's the biggest difference between before and after doing a show on HBO? Aggregation. <laughs> People find a lot more stuff to get mad at me for now than they used to. It's very strange. Anyway, oh, about yesterday, they smashed you yesterday. What were they mad at me yesterday for? The uh, NIL stuff, the college stuff. Oh yeah, we did get a couple of those. We did get a NY the New York. Wait, you did like for those who don't know, I'm sure you do if you're listening. Bo had an op-ed in the New York Times. Yeah, he he did an essay on uh, game theory about college players not being paid. You know what I mean? Hey, your boy's out here getting busy, and he's upsetting the uh, the establishments. Or people who are – you're not even upsetting the establishment. You're upsetting people who are the fans of the establishment, Yo. and they don't even know why they are fans of the establishment. They just like things being the way that they are. Yo, there is nothing wilder than fans of the establishment. Like, if you are an adherent to the establishment – that is one thing. But fans of the establishment, and look, man, if you're like a fan of the army, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've come to understand that that one's a little bit different. A little bit different. But, you know, like, in New York, man, you know, they be selling that NYPD gear. 
Like people be really out here wearing NYPD gear. And I'm like, what? Nope. Can't do it. Hey, hey, let me tell you this too, man. I don't know why nobody's talked about this with this NYPD gear and everybody else. And I know, you know, I understand how things work or whatever. But I feel like the cops need to holler at the college players and be like, yo, we get to cut of this. Like, I actually look that up and see if the union works up out to get a cut of that because y'all the NYPD. You know what I'm saying? Y'all the ones that make this happen. Can NYPD gets it, man, IL? Is that what we yeah. saying? I say NYPD <laughs> making all the college arguments to them. Well, it's the brand that's bigger than you. You know, people are really here. Like, yeah, but we the ones out here risking it. You know what I'm saying? We the ones out here, out here doing this. But like being like, yo, I am a fan of the NYPD. What? Have you seen their movies? Hey, this is what I meant to tell you. NYPD. Someone told me this yesterday, and I want, I didn't know if you knew it was true. Apparently, Tuesday in New York, they were all called in at 7.30 a.m. to be in uniform, on duty, and ready for one specific thing to happen. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. This is going to be a, it's going to be interesting, like, when that shakes out. Because um, the district attorney in Manhattan lives not far from me. Oh, yeah, yeah, like not far from me. And they they looking out for that dude. That that guard, that that that, that protection is there in case Trump wind up getting arrested. Now, this this is what I want to say right here cuz I ain't getting into no politics of this, right? Cuz there's no point and this isn't even about that. However, this is the first thing that I can think of in my lifetime where they was afraid the white folks was going to riot. The only other time they've been afraid the white folks is going to riot is if y'all win a championship. But otherwise, they acting like some cops, the verdict came back on some cops. Jerry will be in in the morning. People boarding up their shops. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they doing all the stuff. They going to start putting grease on the telephone poles. Right, like this is this, this is this is what all of this is gonna be, just in case this happens. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad I live around black people, <laughs> or at the very least, the white people that live around me are not the ones that's gonna take it to the street. That's what I was gonna say. The ones that are near you ain't trying to kick it that way. They these are not the people on the street that you are talking to for game theory. No. They are not going to be the uh, indignant uh, <laughs> residents of New York City, shall we say. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, you know, Staten Island, I don't know what's going to go on down there. You know, like, it, 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 might get a little, it might get a little body down there. Some of the spots, Long Island, ew, I might not want to go over there today. I got no idea. I really don't think nobody going to do nothing, though, to be right. perfectly honest. Right. But this is, I mean, by the time people get this, it might all gone down. Oh, that'd be crazy if it did, right? It would. It would. It would. Like, I'll just say this again. A political observation. That man go run for president like ain't none of this happening. <laughs> and that is an amazing thing to consider. I don't know if that is. Bo, is that like complete lack of self-awareness? Or is that the most awareness that someone no, it's, it, no, no, it is is total awareness. That's what I'm saying, right? right? It's total, like, yo, it doesn't really matter anymore. Look, Rick Pitino just got this job at St. John's. Segway. I talked about this on the pod on Monday, but this is still like a thing here to me 
that Rick Pitino just kind of walked into that job still indignant, unrepentant about what happened at Louisville on any level at all, right? Unrepentant about that. I've always run a clean program, I believe was his quote. Yeah, and I mean, look, maybe he's always run a clean program. Come on, man, that ain't the one that, come on, bro. Anyway, either way it goes. You got to own this. And the NCAA changed their rules to make it that under these circumstances, a cat like you, based on what happened at Louisville and everything else, you got to own it. All right. And I'm mm-hmm. not even mad at them on the basketball end, like the stuff with, uh, you know, that was on HBO, like the scheme and all of that. I ain't even really mad at him about that because that's just how that sausage gets made. Right. You know, that, that that's what it is. That's the game. I get it. I don't think he did anything there that is like some terrible moral affront. But you got to pretend, man. Everybody understands this. Everybody gets this. You got to get here and you got to pretend a little bit. But no, he got this job. He's, I mean, and he's really good at it, right? Like, let let us never lose sight of that. He's really good at it. And St. John sees a chance to become relevant in New York City in a way that they haven't been in 25 or 30 years. Okay. They want to do that. Cool. But he's still so shameless. And that's so wild to me how shameless he's been. Hey, what's the Slim Charles line? We fight on that lie. We gonna fight on that lie. He fighting on the lie forever. No, but the thing that I just will never understand about guys like those is about guys like Patino is that, dude, you earn so much from people from just being like, hey, that was on me. Now, you can't do it all the time because then it becomes obvious defense where you're just saying it just to get people off of you. Right. But in a time like that, man, you earn so much from people by just coming out there and being like, yep, that's on me. Like case in point, when David Letterman got caught up in that little situation at his office and he mm. sat down on the show, no teleprompter, nothing else, and just, all right, so this was going on. Laid it out, done in a day. I think you, if you have people in your face every day that make you, that put that mirror to you, that's one thing. But if you got people in your face every day that's kind of like, you the man, you ain't got nothing to worry about, I think that's a difference. Like, David Letterman was probably in an environment where he had to face some accountability. And people yeah. was going to rock with him anyway. I think some of these dudes don't think that people will rock with them. Like, they're still holding up the myth. Yeah, but they think they fooling us. I, I don't think I don't think Patino think he's fooling nobody. Well, 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 well oh, no, I do think think I do think Rick thinks he's fooling us because I think Rick is fooling himself. Okay, there we go. You know is that may be the best way to put it. Like I think uh, he is fooling himself, but I guess every time I'm like, how could you do this? Even as I say this, I go right back to, damn, he a beast. <laughs> Dude, he been doing this. What's Providence? Hey, he was a Final Four in Providence at Providence in '87. Right. Then he went to the Knicks. Turned the Knicks around. Like the Knicks, the Knicks were the his last team there. They lost to the Bulls in six. But that trap, that was like a college-ish trap. They were giving people trouble. They just didn't have a second player next to Patrick Ewing. And then he yeah. went to Kentucky and did work after the sanctions. Right? Well, the MB the, the Rick didn't couldn't coach in the NBA thing, I think has always been a bit overstated, right? Yeah. I think, one, it is an example of giving the coach all the personnel authority and that being part of what does it in. Two, he did a bad job in that Celtics run. Yes. The what next draft. Run. It was right. just that draft, that, that first draft that messed him up. Well, well, it's not. we'll get back to that first draft, right? 
But like the thing that happened with the Knicks, though, he won the Atlantic Division in his second year there as the coach. Like it's hard to make the argument that he just had no business being in the NBA. What happened though was by the time he got back there that second time, that college ego gets so big, and then they can't do it. It's not you can't coach in the NBA normally for those college guys. It's you can't do the job. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a functional um sort of situation. But that draft, you talk about the '97 draft where they went into that lottery with two picks in a one-player draft. Yep. Okay, and they did not get Tim Duncan. They got the number three pick. They didn't get Tim Duncan, and they didn't get what would have been a perfectly appropriate consolation prize for Boston Celtics fans, Keith Van Horn. Oh, yeah. Instead, they got the <laughs> third pick, and by the way, they got the second best player in that draft with the third pick, which yep. is Chauncey Billups. But Rick Pitino had no patience, and Chauncey Billups can't stand Rick Pitino. Right, and I know this because he says it out loud in interviews, and he don't even get hyped up about it. He's just like, "Yeah, no, nah, that didn't work. That was." Chauncey uh, Bill's mouth don't move. Like that—that's how you know somebody don't like somebody when they talking them and they mouth like barely moves. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I didn't. I had problems with him. Now, granted, everybody else traded Chauncey Billups within 15 minutes in that period of his career, but Rick Pitino was the first one who just got him out of there. Um, and they just—I mean, Antoine Walker hated playing for him. Forgot he had uh, Paul Pierce there yes. for a little while. Yes. Uh, they, well, think about it like this. Antoine Walker had him in Kentucky. He made Antoine Walker a national champion, a lottery pick, all that. Got to the league. And let's not, let's not get this twisted. In college basketball, the coach is the king. Yeah. So if Rick Pitino was thinking that he was going to go to the league and be the king, you get why he thought he was going to do that. You're the king of Lexington, Kentucky, and then you go and try to be the king of the Boston Celtics. Like, that ain't going to work. But if your number one player that you make a millionaire doesn't like you, you are doing something wrong. To be fair, Antoine Walker would probably make the argument that he made Rick Pitino a millionaire, not vice versa. And there would be a fair point. That team had something eight or nine NBA players. The I was about to say, that, was, that, was that one of the deepest – Deepest yes, talented I think college it's probably team. it didn't have that that top guy, right? Right, but it's probably the deepest team in college basketball history. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It's yeah. either eight or nine NBA players on that team, and like, like I say, not great necessarily, but decent NBA players. So, like Antoine Walker, I guess had the best NBA career of all of them. Yeah, yeah, McCarty. Yeah, Antoine Walker, Ron Mercer, Walter McCarty, Tony Dell. Derek Anderson, I think like Mark Pope is one of those that gets, you know, they get Nazi Muhammad, I think was a Nazi Muhammad, uh, Jamal McGlore was oh, on that's that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like these were just about all of them were legitimate NBA players, but undefeated in the SEC walked to the national championship. And when you talk about being the king elected in Kentucky, here was the thing though. He was, and he wasn't, and he went so much farther in Boston than he did in Lexington with the King thing. And I say, and this is what I mean by that. When he got to Boston, Red Auerbach's title was president of the Boston Celtics. Oh, yeah, he took Everyone the insisted that it was just a ceremonial title, but it was Red Auerbach, president of the Boston Celtics, and Patino insisted that he get the title of president. They could have very easily made him super-duper executive vice president of everything else or whatever, but he insisted on that. As far as I know, he didn't go to Kentucky and say, name a Patino Arena. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he, yeah. Like, he just 
It just went so far. But that, to me, is what gets those guys. Like Billy Donovan, who I never thought was a great college tactician. Never have. He was captain, let your guards play, right? Right. But he's made it work in the NBA. He hasn't been a great NBA coach, but he's made it work because he got in there and figured out very quickly who was in charge here. And the answer is not really you. That's funny. Remember my theory on good head coaches, bad head coaches, and a bunch of dudes in the middle? Mm-hmm. Where does Billy Donovan sit on that? How about dudes in the middle? Is he higher or or is he the Mendoza line? Yeah, I'm about to say he feels like the median. Like, I feel like, now I got to be honest, man. They got all these anonymous-ass coaches out here. It's a bunch of them that I don't know what they do or do not do because I don't honestly know who they are. Do you I know the coach to give you of Oklahoma City report. Thunder? I, okay. I know his first name is Mark. There you go. I think I can spell his last name. Is it D-A-I-N-G-A-U-L-T? There, there you go. Mark okay. Dagnall. Yeah, yeah. I got news for you, though. I gave you what I had. <laughs> I, I I gave you, like, there's some other teams that I think that if you pulled it out and asked me who their head coach was, I'm not certain I could give it to you. I certainly couldn't give you a scout report. No, not that I think about it. I think I know who all the coaches are now. But that can change. Well, I, I think you know the playoff coaches. Yeah. No, as I go around, I have not come across as I run this through my head with a team where I'm like, oh, I don't know. But that Thunder one, that's the that's the test. That's the actually, He's the new okay, Taylor Jenkins. Yes. Yes. Actually, I don't know who is the interim coach for the Hawks. Yes, you do. Who is new it? head coach, not interim. New head Oh, that's coach. right. That's our Quinn Snyder. Yep. Forgot about that. They would have got him. It league. wouldn't take you long to get that one. Yeah, I forgot. I just I completely forgot that they hired a coach. Yep. You know what I mean? They're like, yo, we move it all right now. And then Quinn Snyder and Trey Young. I'm very curious to see how well, that works. Yeah, well, I mean, Trey Young has been the system his whole life, and that's never really been the Quinn Snyder get down, mm-hmm. as I recall. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And look, Trey Young, say what you want about John Morant, right? But John Morant does exude a certain level of energy around him, like like players gravitate towards him in that locker room, right? So even while he was going through things, and maybe he fits Memphis in that rebellious sort of way, I feel like you can throw John Morant in any locker room and his teammates will rock with him, right? Mm-hmm. He He's playing the, the music in the locker room. He's dancing. He's talking to dudes out of this. Trey Young is – from everything I know, is more of a bit of an introvert, like to himself. Like he doesn't connect with guys in that same way. He's just built a different, you know what I mean? And it's like a shot of him. He's just built a different way. So you don't have that, you know, outgoing, gregarious sort of connection with guys. And I wonder how that plays when Quinn Snyder's in charge compared to you being in charge. Vinny, I'm going to just throw this out here, true or false. Okay. People don't like Trey Young. Is that an affirmative or a question? I'm asking true or false. People don't like Trey Young. I would say that's true. This is a thing, right? Yeah. This is a thing. And, you know, people like the last coach would say it in front of people. Hey, Trey's a handful. (laughs) And that's the coach level. Look, when Trevor, you remember Trevor Reza put him on the ground. Yes. And I and look, Trey Young does not play on the same team as Trevor Reason. But for those of you who did not see this when it happened, Trey Young had this run where he was nutmegging dudes, mm-hmm. right? Like he liked to dribble the ball, 
through people's legs and then go around and get it, right? But one day I picked up on this, and clearly Trevor Ariza did too. If you looked at all the times he did that, the setup was basically the same. Like he would come up the middle of the court and he'd come to the right wing, and then that's where he would make the move, right? And I don't know if the Rockets coaches had decided this or Trevor Ariza, 45-year NBA veteran, (laughs) had done his own level of scouting and was like, look, he ain't about to do that to me. It ain't about to happen to me, right? And he's saying, if he try to do that over there, watch. I'm going to be ready. And Trey Young tried to do that, and Trevor Ariza put his little ass on the (laughs) ground, right? And so, uh, you know, Trey had to get up. Look around. You saw he was like that hard breathing you do when you want to cry, but you can't, right? He was doing that. Who's saying it to himself? It's all right. I'm a man, baby. Yeah, he was he was trying to he get shrugged himself the show. Back. No, he, he you know what he, you know what Trey does when he's kind of bothered and he doesn't know what to do? He he does the thing with his jersey. Yeah, like he, he pop- did that. I'm good. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm a man. I'm all right. I'm all right. He did that. And Trader Barge walked it off. But what I'll always remember is James and Bunny and Chico. <laughs> Ain't none of them come help Trader Barge up. Ain't none of them. I don't recall none of them like trying to go at Trevor Ariza in that moment. And that was a clear sign. They was kind of mad. I told him to quit doing that. Look, it, here's the thing. There are some dudes who they are not particularly loved per se but you will go to war with them and you will play for them. And when something happens, you ganging up all around them, right? And then there's some dudes who, hey, man, he need to learn his lesson. We told right. him about that. We, we can't be – and then the other part of that is you do that and get away with it, one of those bigger dudes on your team got to pay the price. Right. They're going to go up for a dunk and catch an elbow in their neck or something like that because you nutmegging – uh, a big man on on the baseline, on the sideline over there. Somebody gonna pay the price sooner or later, and them big dudes are probably tired of paying the bill for Trey Young, nutmegging dudes just because he could. It ain't a functional move to embarrass somebody that right. way. You right. know what I mean? Because Jamal Crawford will go behind the back, spinning around, looking in your face, laugh, and all that. But that was a functional basketball move. Trey Young doing this just because he can. Yeah, he stopped. I ain't seen him do it since, by the way. Uh, for whatever it's worth. You get the wind not. knocked out of you. You get the yeah. wind knocked out of you a couple times. Yeah. You find religion. But but the thing about him is I feel like the only way you can do it with him is if you build the whole team around him. And for Steph Curry to be Steph Curry, like peak Steph Curry shoots 44, 45% from three. Trey Young is a low 30s three-point shooter. You can't be Steph Curry just because you can shoot really far, right? And you're a, and you're a little bitty dude. That's not that ain't the that 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 game is not going to work for you. But I say they need to figure out if they can move him and get it done as quickly as possible and move on to the next level of their whole situation. Well, it's funny. You talk about my Detroit Lions, um, uh, whatever that was, Mm -hmm. former love. Right. You got your former love of the Atlanta Hawks. And former stemming from that one day where February twenty fourth, nineteen ninety four, they traded Dominique Wilkins for three months of Danny Manning. So, how much of this goes into that? Not for you, but I'm saying you haven't had a guy since that day, yeah. which is almost 
30 years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, go get another and, one. And you're, and you're the Atlanta Hawks. You're the team that no, that you don't think anybody's going to pick you, even though you're, you're the blackest you're the blackest city and you're, you're in a really good, diverse place and all this other stuff. You would think that people want to come play there. It was almost – not that it's Miami. Thing. It's the weirdest thing. I can't figure out why. I've never had a handle on that. They can't get – like Houston, dudes love – playing in houston they love the h nobody wants to go play in atlanta never and look man being the king in atlanta look fun i seen neek walk through the mall think think about think about the kings of atlanta neek was the king of atlanta uh prime was the king of atlanta mm-hmm. when prime when, when we thought prime was kind of like a cool dude you know what i mean yeah. michael vick before he started fighting dogs and all that <laughs> king of atlanta like that seems like that would be maybe it's a better place to visit than it is to to live. You Could know what be. I mean? But like I was I was about to say, we give Stephen Curry, we've me and you have given Steph Curry a lot of uh, flack, shall we say? Or we've caught flack from yes. the Steph Curry hive. The one thing you can say about Steph, not the one thing, but a thing you can say about Steph is for all of those wild and crazy shots that he's that he's taken, a. You just said it. The lowest he shot in the season is probably like around 40 from three, right? right? For the bad quote-unquote shot selection or whatever or the quick shots. And those dudes ride for him. Whoever's there, they play hard for that dude. He engenders himself. They like him. They love him. They play for him. And that is not something you see across the board. He commands respect just by walking in the door. The door. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Interesting you mentioned that because it was something I wanted to talk about. I think I said playing we're going to talk about Paul George. Paul George got hurt. That's really bad. Just in case I don't get back to it. I don't want you to think I was lying. Boom. Um. I have been surprised, and I saw it come up on first take again. Um, guess it was Tuesday, but it was um, Mario Chalmers talking about how people weren't afraid of LeBron James and they were afraid of Michael Jordan, which is something that Stephen A. had said. And JJ Reddick and uh, Stephen A. go back on that because JJ's thing is no, you know, guy LeBron commanded a certain level of fear, or then he went to like some textbook like literal textbook definition of fear about physical harm and how nobody's afraid of physical harm. So there's not really fear and da da die and everything else. Okay. This is all I'm saying. And you tell me if I'm tripping here. Okay. 
anybody go pull up that clip of Kevin Garnett and J.R. of uh, the, the dueling clips of Kevin Garnett and J.R. Ryder talk about that time that they had that lead on the Bulls and Kevin Garnett was talking that and getting J.R. all hype and Jordan heard it and then Jordan went and destroyed him. But before Jordan destroyed him, J.R. was trying to stop it. And J.R. over there, no, nah, Mike, he uh, Mike, he, he don't, don't know. Really yeah, he don't know, Mike. He just he just a little excited or whatever it is. The whole thing in the last dance, all these dudes trying to figure out, do I say something to Mike? Do I not say something to Mike? Either way it goes, it's lost. Look, Michael Jordan was terrifying. There's no way around. It was like, well, what was he going to do to him? You asking the wrong question. It's not about what he was going to do to him. I don't even know exactly what it was about, but he was terrifying. Stephen A made a very good point, and he was like, the difference between Mike and all these other dudes is, I think he may have said somebody else said this, but it was a good point. No, it was Tim Legler who said this. I'm sorry. He's like, Mike was always in attack mode. Like, yep. you know, that uh, that LeBron, you know, I'm going to get everybody involved. You know, we might do this. No, Mike was always coming at you. But them dudes, you see it in their eyes when they're in ISO on Mike. Keeping in mind, that's the ISO era of basketball where yep. if you were guarding yep. Michael Jordan, you, you were by yourself. You were the only person who really could do anything about this. Nah, man. He was outright terrifying. And I bring this up not to talk about LeBron, but is Steph Curry honestly the closest to that at this Ooh. point? Because, like, if you are guarding Steph, what yeah. can you do? Call Besides call for help. But it, and help only go up so far because everybody is so spread out all over yeah. the place. Like, yeah. when we talked about this before and people got mad, the thing that I was saying, and it was like for me, and they never quite caught this, it was a bit of a conundrum because as good as Steph was, when you think about that guy, you think about a dude where you go one four flat and you get everybody out the way and he's the dude that gets it, right? Like consciously, it doesn't seem right to think that that guy who you don't think of as he is best within a system that revolves around him, but the right. system nonetheless, that's right. where you get the best out of him. And normally when we think about that guy, we think about I'm out here by myself, right? If you know if that's what it's got to be, cool. Then we gonna do it, right? And that is not how I had viewed Steph up until that point. And there are other people, by the way, who make this observation. Like I heard mm -hmm, Grant Hill mm -hmm. before I said I heard Grant Hill say it on TV, and I was like, yo, that makes sense. Let me think about that a little bit more. And then, of course, you know, Warriors fans doing what they do. However, if you are 45 feet away from the basket, you have to look at Steph like I guess I need to pick you up here. And he's got handle out of this world. Handle that can embarrass you. And not only is he going to pull back and take this shot on you, he's going to turn around before it goes in and start running the other direction. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. That sounds scary as hell to me. And you can't fight him because all they're going to do is be like, way to go for punching Steph. Well, here's the other part of it. With Mike, and this sounds like a subtle difference, and I can assure you it's not. When Mike catches the ball, even young Mike outside the triangle, he catches the ball on the wing. He's 22 feet from the basket. If you don't have a TV view, like you're standing in front of this dude, you know he's going to blow by me one way or he's going <laughs> to blow by me the other way. But somebody is not far from me. I don't even, I'm, not, I'm not talking about bad boy piston defense. I'm just saying your standard defense that's got a big six foot nine dude standing close to the rim because that's where they played. You know, you can sense the heat of somebody being closer to you, right? So you know, okay, 
might blow by me. Maybe somebody going to be the help. You mean it, what you what what the hell you going to do if you got to pick Steph Curry up at the logo? You have no idea where the next dude is because the floor is spread. You can't sense nobody else's body heat. And if you in Chase Center and you see the crowd rising to their feet, you're like, oh, Lord, what is I going to do? There is nobody around, and all I can see is the clock on the other end more than I can see the more than I can sense the presence of a teammate. Right. And he got hand, like you said, he got handle. He don't even need the handle. Yo, the jumper look- sets up the handle. <laughs> I don't even know if the handle is as impressive as it is the threat of the jumper that makes you jump up, and then he goes by you. He Yo, ain't got and- no Kyrie Irving handle. You know no, what I mean? but but I I think he's probably got the second best handle in the league. Ooh, the dip, here's the difference between his handle and I mean Kyrie is just let's be clear that's a a different world of being able to dribble a basketball. But Kyrie is more careful with the ball than Steph is. Yes, like Steph is far more reckless with that stuff. But the ability to have that handle and go into the jumper that quick, right? Like that. And look, I think people also need to be somewhat sincere about this. Where we are now is in the evolution of Steph Curry. Like, look, this game come down to it or whatever it is, and I know he was a little bit hurt in 2016. Steph ain't dribbling the ball off his foot like that again. Right? No. Steph ain't getting locked down by Kevin Love like that again. That's Steph that we saw against the Celtics. If you drop that level of confidence of Steph, right? Like that level of battle. I know where you're going. Yep. Yep. And yep. you drop him in 2016. That series over in five games. Not as that series over in five games. The Warriors win four straight championships at least. This is going to sound weird. As great as that Steph Curry was, and unanimous MVP, top 10 all-time in win shares per 48 for that season, Mm -hmm. right? He's a better basketball player now. Like, he may not be able to reach those highs upon on call, right? Because he might have shot something like 44 from three mm-hmm. that year. But he's a better basketball player. He's more confident. He's more assured in what he's doing. He's better in his own body. Like, that jersey ain't hanging on. He looks more yes. in 2016 like Davidson, Steph Curry, than now where Steph putting on the weights, his shoulders is a little more, you know what I mean, stout. Mm-hmm. And he knows he ha- he's much more in control of the game and much more in control of himself, even if he can't, even if he doesn't have the newness of 2016. Well, and 2016 was freaking scary. Yeah. Here's what I'd say about like the 15, 16 era there, right? Maybe even 17 to a degree. They were going to win because nobody could beat them. They were just so good. And you would just kind of watch and look at it and be like, hey, look at that. The Warriors are down by 17 at halftime. He'd be like, nope, the, the math is going to even out. The variance is going to come back around, and they're going to get it done. But it was a matter of, to me, the other team simply could not beat them. That Boston series, to me, was we're not going to lose. And that's something else, right? Like, that, the, the decision was made in game four. Yep. We're not going to lose why because i said so we're not going to lose right and it was and so the thing to me and where i probably did not give the warriors enough credit over their stretch 
was I viewed them in the way they played in large part as you guys have you guys have figured out this glitch in this, right? Mm, right? Mm. And you're making all these shots, but it didn't have that feeling of you making it happen. Like defensively, yeah, yeah. you can make that call, but it didn't have that feeling. I mean, I could be wrong about what they were and were not making happen, but I think observantly you could understand what I'm saying. I didn't yeah. feel like they was making it happen, right? Steph, I... To, before I get to that Steph game, that Giannis game in 2021, the game six, yep. where, he, where he made all the free throws on top of everything else. Those dudes on that next level can just make this decision. Now, they can't do it every night because if they could, they would, right? Right. But just say, we're not losing this game tonight. Watch me work. And Steph Curry basically decided that for a series. Watch me work. We're not going to lose, right? Even LeBron James could do it in 2007, mm-hmm. but couldn't do it in 2009, even though he played better in 2009 than he did in 2007. It did not get quite to that point. Steph got to that point. Like, that's why it's going to be so wild when he gets done and we try to do the math on where he falls in every sort of all-time stuff. Because it's hard to play as long as he has and still be exceeding expect not just exceeding expectations but like you know we've eaten our crow but i don't think we were talking nearly as crazy as people thought that we were like i no, thought that it was fair questions but very few dudes are still answering questions as deep into his career as he has like for example kevin durant will still have the you to one dude question it's never mm-hmm. going to come up ever again right steph kept getting a couple of questions it was just like nah watch me watch me he talked a little to you about it too didn't he yes he did Yes. Look, he did that before he won the title. I went to Cleveland to talk to him because he was on tour of MVP start mm-hmm. last season before he got hurt and slowed down and everything. Remember, they like 18 and 3, right? Yeah. So we're talking. And a, a trick sometimes when you don't know NBA players personally, but you talk to them a few times, I introduce myself every single time I talk to a dude if I don't cover him every day. Just because they run into so many reporters, so many TV people. Mm-hmm. I would never assume that a dude knows who I am. And Steph initially gave me the look like, yeah, I know who you are. And, you know, sometimes the guys don't give you eye contact. Like LeBron is really good at not giving anybody eye contact. I just think that's a thing for him. But me and Steph are talking, and the interview's not quite over. But he taps me on the leg and says, not bad for a system player, huh? I was this close to saying, mother get back here. I ain't done with you. Was there even a chuckle? It wasn't even a chuckle. It was a smirk. Yo, let me tell you something. I'm afraid of what will happen the next time I'm in the same room with Steph. <laughs> like, if I wind up in a finals game and he's at, like, the dais, I ain't even trying to get on that summer jam screen, dog. They're like, give it up for Bobani Jones. Bobani Jones. What was that thing you said? Which one? Say uh, In fact, I have this list in my pocket. I've been preparing for this day now. For about three years, he would read me for filth in front of everybody. He would throw, he would throw Big Joker, Little Joker, Big Ace, Benny, all of them. Benny, they was at the parade and he hit Foxworth with the zero. That was one of them days when you do first take and Stephen A ain't there, so don't nobody watch. He remember, he is the petty king. And he yes. comes out and says it. I remember everything, and I appreciate that. Come I appre- here's, here's, I got a theory. Have I told you my playoff theory? Mm-mm. 
my playoff theory, because it's funny you bring up the Giannis game, you bring up the Steph game. And hold that thought, because you about to go somewhere. But I was going to try to get this off while I remembered it. My playoff theory is we will find out who wins a series in game four. If it's a 2-1 series, we will find out. No matter who wins or loses, we will find out, A, who the better team is, and B, who's going to win the series. That's usually where you get the best individual performance, and then you figure out who the best team is, even if those two teams aren't the same thing, right? That's where you got the Giannis block on uh, DeAndre Ayton, the, the greatest defensive player I've ever seen in my life. And then you got Steph in the garden during a whiteout. Can you have nothing warmed my cold heart more <laughs> than during a whiteout in Boston, which I thought was completely hilarious for reasons <laughs> that everybody can figure out themselves. To see Steph Curry with all those things. Think about it. Steph went and played big brother to Draymond Green. Yeah. Steph had no backup in that game. Nothing. 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 He was like, this is me. I'm taking on Massachusetts. Yo, but see, that's the thing also is that like when people got a little too hype about what Andrew Wiggins was doing last year, which was basically playing like Andrew Wiggins. Like you go look at the numbers, they look all very, very similar. The difference is he's a number four and not a number two. So you don't right. really like right. you don't you don't really trip on it. Um, but Steph Curry, you get tired of the nobody believed in us card, right? Like I listen to the Kansas City Chiefs do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> nobody believed in us. There is only one person that I feel like has not been inventing this the skeptics, has not been inventing the critics. It had, and I say this as someone who would count as such a critic. There really have been people of levels of repute who, at every point, in spite of what their eyes told them, were like, "Yeah, I don't know," and he just kept blowing them all out. Right? He's the little dude in high school can't get an offer to go to his father's alma mater, where I believe his father's jersey is retired. Yep. Right? Can't yep. get an offer there. Okay. He goes to Davidson. And I know I say all the time that I was there for those first two rounds, but I will be saying that for the rest of my life. But the reason I keep bringing it up is I don't know what it looked like on television. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. I can tell you what it looked like from the second row. Real name, no gimmicks. Like, this was not, this wasn't some thing, right? This wasn't some quirk or whatever it is. He was out there individually carrying that team to where it went. Keep it in mind, they won those first two rounds. They played the first game against Gonzaga, who I think was the seventh seed. Then they played the second seed game against number two seed Georgetown. Oh, yeah. Then the third game was against Wisconsin, and they blew them off the floor and were one possession away from beating the eventual national champions, right, at Davidson. And this isn't David Robinson as a big man carrying Navy. This is a dude that looks like he's 6'2", 155 pounds with his jersey falling off his arm. And he's doing it, crossing dudes over, taking them shots on him, everything else. Like, he carried them. But then it was like, okay, but now you got to go to the NBA. Yeah, I think he'll probably be a pretty good player who can do this, who can do this. But when he was in college, he did demonstrate superhuman talents. Yes. He was just really, really small. But yep. it was, like I said, it wasn't tricks. Like what he was doing was like if I show if I put him out there at the rucker, we'd had a completely different attitude about what was possible. But he seemed little. But he got to the league, got a bit bigger, figured that out. Then it was like, oh, he's a consistent all-star. We didn't know if he could do that. But none of us thought when Kerr got there that we had a superstar. No. Boom. Then we had a superstar. Okay. 
They lose in 16, whatever. They win the rest of the championships. He hasn't won a finals MVP. Wow, you still have something that is actually there to prove. But also, can you be the jump on my back guy? Not just, I'm hot tonight. Jump on my back. Boom. He did that. He's become that dude. But at every turn, he has just done excellent things. And we've been like, yeah, but. Or at least I've been somewhat, yeah, but. Yeah, well, but. He, here's the thing. There's only, and, I, and I, I'm from Detroit. Y'all know this. <clears throat> There's only been one little dude that we could say says, hey, y'all, we winning this game tonight. We winning this series. I don't care who's across the other way, Magic Bird, Jordan, whoever, and that's 11. And Steph has been that dude. And here's the other thing. Magic had doubts after 84, and he had won two championships to that point. He threw the ball away. He literally threw a series away in 84. And then in 85, he became certified. Nobody questioned Magic Johnson again. Has there ever been a player who's had as many championships, at least, as has had four? And let's just say three. Let's just say, has there been a player, Bo, who's had three championships and still had to answer questions about his level of greatness? Because I can't think of anyone. No, and – but – and not even level of greatness, because I think we've all we've all no, acknowledged he, how great he no, is. No, no, we've right? acknowledged like even when people thought people like you and I were being skeptical, it was not in denial of greatness. Right. Right? Like, like it wasn't that. It was a difficulty for me at least, jumping all the way on board with the elite level of greatness that we were talking about. Right? Like that's what it wasn't like, yo, it's not like man, he ain't no Hall of Famer. No, right, we were saying right. that. It's not even like he ain't no 75. No, we were saying that. Man, he shouldn't have made first team All-NBA. No, you know, it was never any of that. But he appears now to be an inner circle. Like, that's the term Simmons uses on that. Like, an inner circle level Hall of Famer. Like, top two or three guard, like, point guards of all time. Where you're just not going to get me to say he's better than Magic Johnson. I just don't think that's possible. Nope. Right? But if you grew up in a time where this style of basketball is all you know, I don't know how I'm telling you the Magic Johnson's better than him and making you believe it. You know what I mean? Like, no, and, no, I get what I no get. Shade. I can't, I can't go there, mm-hmm. right? And this is nothing. This not. I don't even know if that's an age thing. It's just Magic was just such a force. Like the same. Well, the crazy thing is the same things that you say about Magic, not in terms of skill, but in terms of like force mm-hmm. and influence in the game. Those are the same things you say about Steph. It just looks different. Oh yeah. Well, Magic. I mean, nice. <laughs> Or you, you, you youngsters, just go look it up on YouTube. Yeah, you, you just can't understand or appreciate what it looked like. Did you see the thing where uh, Kenny Smith, I think, went on Draymond's pod? He said the thing about Dream was Dream was out there. They said, could Dream play today? He's like, yeah, because Dream could make threes. You just didn't know it. The Dream just would go out there and face dudes up. And then you see the clips of Olajuwon and you truly realize we keep talking about the dream shake. He's facing the basket, crossing dudes up, and then dream shaking on them. Like, Elijah Wad. Elijah Wad would be, what if Dwight Howard played like a guard? Like, not as big, not as, right. you know, not as shouldery, but about the same height. Yeah, they're about, they're about more 6'10". Same quickness game. But uh, let, me, let me run something right here for you uh, okay. to give you context on Isaiah Thomas. Somebody sent this tweet out and something I had never thought about right now. 17 players in the NBA are six foot one. 10 players in the NBA are six feet. One player in the NBA is 5'11. There are only 28 players in a 32 team league who are 6'1 
or smaller. That's it. And Isaiah Thomas could say, jump on my back, boys. Let's go. We beaten Bird at the Garden. We beaten a young MVP Jordan. We beaten Magic in the Showtime Lakers and anybody else you throw. And my second best player is either, at that time, Bill Lambeer or Joe Dumars. Yep. It's me. Y'all riding with me. Dude, and I, no I, advanced I, metric is nope. going to tell the story. And you know me. I'm good with those things, right? Yep. But Elijah Wise is saying, wait, that was the, the other thing Kenny Smith said. I saw this on Instagram in the clip. He said Elijah Wise thing was, you know, they're like, yo, why don't you, you know, take these guys outside and do more of that? And he's like, I only have to play three times a year. Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, and Shaq, and Shaq. <laughs> he's like, the rest of the time, I just, I just don't have to do this. Nobody can do anything with me. This, you know, for some people, the game becomes so easy that I don't need to pull out the entire bag of tricks every night to do 20 and 10. Like, the, like and I think you were kind of leading to this at some point. The beauty to me is the guys who have to play within that sort of team system mm -hmm. to benefit everybody else. And then when that reaches its, oh, we've gone as far as we can go thing, and then we got, oh, now y'all asking me to score 40 yeah, well, that's in like the finals. That's what we're going to learn about Jokic this year, right? Like, is, is whether you can make that transition from being guy number one um, into being guy number two. Like, that's, that's going to be the test. And that's the Steph Curry test that it never really had come up but so much before. And then it came up. It's, it was coming up for Kevin Durant in that series against the Bucs. If his foot is one inch farther back, then we're having, you know, a different discussion about him in that way. But can you imagine just for a second? Being, I don't know. Let me throw one out here. Jeff Ruland. Mm. You got to go out of Keen tonight. Mm. Bill Cartwright. Oh, you got to guard a Keen tonight. Mike Jeminski. <laughs> guess what your job is tonight? <laughs> you get to guard. Hey, is that Steve Stepanovich? Guess what? Dreams coming through. But James Donaldson. James Donaldson. Yes. You got to guard. You got to guard Hakeem Olajuwon tonight. George T. Johnson. <laughs> the young fellas coming in. Hey, hey, is that you, Alton Lister? Yo, yo, yo. I figured somebody should tell you before it gets too late. Joe yeah. Barry Carroll. <laughs> hey, JB. Hey, we gonna need you to care tonight, baby. <laughs> we gonna need you to care. <laughs> hey, Buck Williams. Gonna need you to slide over to the five. <laughs> Let us know if you got if you got anything. Uh, you, you think you can make this happen? But you, Kevin, you, you, Kevin hey, hey, Kevin Duckworth. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I know, I know you think you can body everybody, <laughs> but this guy's going to take you twenty feet outside and then dribble around you using his soccer feet. <laughs> hey, you with that hairy chest? What's your name, Ronnie? Ronnie, Ronnie Cycling. Hey. Um, <laughs> Just, just, just want to say you're having a great year. You know you're helping this expansion team really get off the ground. But uh, I don't know if you know what's about to happen. Right? I got here. the best. I got the best one for you. <clears throat> hey, tree, <laughs> tree Rollins. I know you. You you're nimble for a big man, and you got all this girth. I don't know if we gonna. 
we ain't got no game plan for hey, what's what's his name? Hakeem? Hakeem? It don't matter. We don't got nothing for you. You and that pinstriped Orlando Magic jersey are on an island tonight. Yo. Mark Eaton, God rest his soul. <laughs> I would just stand right under the basket. That's all. Because I can't get anywhere near. No, no. I'm two-time defensive player of the year. I can't get anywhere close to this dude because I know how this is going to end. And it is in an embarrassing fashion. There's, there's, we're just never going to be able to explain to you guys the Akiva Olajuwon thing. Nobody like him before. And the closest thing to guys like him after are like Kevin Garnett, maybe. Like Kevin Garnett might yeah. of that type of like post-move game might be the best one. But at least with Olajuwon, when you watch it, it makes sense. Trying to make the kids watch uh, Kevin McHale. Guys, I know this is going to sound strange, but yeah, all that stuff, absolutely unstoppable. Hey, that's the crazy thing. When people, and this is how we bring it back around to Jokic, when people say that some guys can't play in today's game, oh, he may, he's too slow, he's, you know, we're going to do this. I'm like, yeah, y'all, y'all don't know what it's like to see Kevin McHale put you in the torture chamber, and he didn't pass. Kevin McHale might have averaged less than two assists for his entire career, right? <laughs> so you knew when it got down to the block and them clothes, you playing in the phone booth, you know he ain't passing, and guess what? He going to hit you with that fadeaway. He going to hit you with that up and under. He going to hit you with that lean in. He got three moves and you can't do about and, it. And I forget who it was that said he gave names to all the moves. Oh, that's and he right. Would, and he would tell you what he was going to do. Like, ah, I think I'll do the slippery eel. <laughs> the what? Dude, in 87, Kevin McHale shot 60% from the floor and averaged 26 points a game. On a team with Larry Bird, 26 and 10. On, on a, a broken Larry foot. Bird. On a broken foot. On a broken foot post-January that year. That was the beginning of the end, and he had already, and he was putting up work. Like, that was the dude. The Pistons feared Bird, right? Mikhail was the dude they had no answer for. Dude, Benny, you, Benny, you talk about Benny. Elijah Wan. You talk about Elijah Wan. 86 Western Finals. That is still a pretty close thing to prime Jabbar. Yes. And Elijah Wan says, lunch meat. Lunch meat. Lunch meat, Pops. <laughs> lunch meat, Pops. By the way, Kevin McHale scored those 26 points a game on 24 usage. <laughs> and he didn't shoot threes. Oh, and he didn't shoot threes. No, you put Kevin McHale today. And by the way, Kevin McHale was an all-defense caliber player. You put Kevin McHale out here today. You still ain't stopping Kevin McHale. Like, all the athleticism and all the stuff that goes on now, bruh, ain't none of it making you able to guard Kevin McHale. Not the length. Not Look, that athleticism don't mean nothing if you're jumping off the floor and I'm still on the ground. Right. Don't matter. He's like, I figured something out for that. Dude. Oh, here's the last point, because I know we got to go. Rem there's a couple years ago during the pandemic. We said that Jokic was like Sabonis if Sabonis had come to the league with two good Achilles and had come to the league in like the 80s, right? I know what you're about to say. Have you seen young Sabonis? But what if Sabonis, Sabonis is Sabonis? <laughs> Yo, they do it. I'm happy for him in Sacramento. They doing it. Good for you, Mike Brown. Good for you, Harrison Barnes. Good for you, Demonis Sabonis. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, H-Tide. He out here getting it.
hey, once again, and we can't say that LeBron ain't played for no great coaches because I count three. Spo, Mike, Ty. and Ty Lue, you're right. You're right. They just had to get away from him. <laughs> I mean, for us to see it. For us to see it. That's what it was, for us to see it. David Blatt, like, what about your boy? I played in front of many presidents. Hey, yeah, Paul Silas. Oh, my favorite. My, oh, my, my, I don't want to talk about no Eric Stowe. <laughs> you hip-hop motherfucker, come back here. I'm not through with you. I'm not through with you. Wow. Wow. Like, I just have repeated, wow. Every time. Do I, am I, I speaking Chinese? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not answering, <laughs> Bo. That was going to be the intro to my podcast. Was the am I speaking Chinese? But then you know people got involved and said, "Hey, that might not be so sensitive." And I'm like, "It is Paul Silas." Yeah. It was that and the Derek Coleman whoop the damn do. Yeah, whoop the damn do is always. I had to run something by somebody of a similar vein. I'll tell you about this after the show. But okay. this is my man, Vinny Goodwill. <laughs> Check out his new podcast on the Yahoo Ball Don't Lie Network. The Good Word with Goodwill is dropping on Mondays. Go ahead and subscribe. Vinny been such a good friend to what we're doing here and a good friend to me personally, obviously. So I thank you so much for coming through for us. And hopefully we'll be able to come through on your side, see what y'all got cracking over there, help you get off to a good start, man. You're going to kill it. Make it happen. My man, A Bo's on the first episode dropping his bow bombs about uh, widening the floor, widening the lane, and all that stuff. Go check out that first episode every Monday, y'all. Hey, man. So y'all check that out. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Dance, dancing, Parker Owens, and Adi Khan handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.